Thanks for stopping by the Badass Records podcast and go Chiefs. Thank you very much for being here, Autumn Hayes. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Thank um, you. We, if all the things go the way they're supposed to go, we'll be doing episode 102 here of Badass Records Podcast. Fantastic. And I uh, appreciate you uh, making the trek in from Eudora and um, really appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Um, so uh, this has been... Um, you know, not unlike the signatures, it's an interesting trajectory of uh, guests. And it's like uh, folks that I know mostly from service industry years uh, spilling into uh, a few that I don't. Um, and then I wound up um, connecting with a guy that has um, an online radio station. And he came and did an episode and... Um, when we finished asked if I wanted to have the podcast air on the station and I said, sure. And then I got like a handful of musicians followed me after that. So I reached out to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and then I ended up talking to a couple of venue owners. Um, and, uh, it's been a little bit random since then, but now, um, it seems as though, uh, Facebook, knows the algorithm knows that i uh am interested in a a person's if they have a an instrument or if they look like they're doing some recording whatever then i'm like (laughs) hey maybe that person um and you were one of those uh, i I believe (laughs) i believe that's that's kind of like the problem with you know showing like when you have a profile picture of you performing on stage you always end up with like a ton of people um Adding you, uh, either adding you as a friend or sending you invites to like their band page or whatever. And it's really? just like, yeah, okay. and it, it's like, it, it's this big community of, right. of local musicians that I've kind of uh, just found myself joining in. Cool. It's really, it's really cool just being part of that um, Northeast uh, Kansas, Missouri kind yep. of, uh, uh, what's, what's it called? That kind of intersection sure. there of, of yeah. just... All sorts of different performers, and I've I've made so many friends along the way. Cool. Well, um, so that's how we connected, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. And um, immediately uh, beyond your picture, uh, music keeps me going. Yes, is a quote somewhere along, like in, in your bio. Yes. And um, is that you? Is that uh, from some a different source? It's it, it's I think a mantra that every every musician can say is just resonates with them because it's, it's one of the things that, you know, uh, without, without sounding like too uh, hyperbole, you know, it's, it's really like one of like the life forces of musicians. It just really like it, it gives us just 
so much meaning to our existence and you know the without the arts i feel like life would be so boring oh my gosh it would be it would be and uh not just music either no dance and um uh visual arts visual arts absolutely theater and all sorts of things um i've heard i think somebody that sat in that chair uh referred to it as a as like a sixth sense or an additional sense uh, it really part does of your really. and when you're when you're working with um musicians or uh when you're like uh seeking out other musicians to um jam with or just to like chat with and have like a really cool conversation with you end up just that sixth sense kind of activates and you can tell who's an artist right just by like interacting with them like within five seconds i could be like all right what do you play (laughs) (laughs) nice you've you you've you're talking you're talking a big you know big game i'm i'm curious now for sure like what do you what do you play that kind of thing so well um i i really like that um it's um definitely been a part of my fabric that idea of music keeping it going for since i mean my whole life and um you know i think this is uh one of the dots on the map you know along that particular journey um so that that caught my eye i really like that but then i uh my attention was diverted immediately to if you stay Yes. Which uh, is a single. That is my one single that I have on all platforms. Um, it's uh, It was a song that was several years in the making, but uh, with the help of my dear friend and producer, Matthew Molnix, I ended up getting that out on, um, on all platforms. Uh, I entered a songwriting competition, and the as the first place winner, I got the song produced for free so, no way so cool. that's why it's my one my one and only you know for now because it's like that's it's kind of hard to uh uh afford studio fees oh my lately. gosh so somebody you know, when i do go to the studio it's me doing bass tracks for um lonnie fisher right okay so, yeah um so you know i don't mean to uh single out or exclude uh, anybody, so this right. is as best as I can put it. Um, but beautiful vocals. Thank you. Uh, the guitar work, um, you know, drum and bass stood out. And then uh, I was noticing how much I was enjoying the rhythm guitar. That was and me. It was you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then uh, there's a couple of lead riffs. That was also me. Are you serious? Yeah. I play the lead guitar and the uh, acoustic guitar that's in there. And then Matthew helped me with the bass and the drum pad that's in there. And then the synth, there's like an overlapping synth that kind of uh, ties the song in. Okay. And there's a um, uh, kind of keyboard thing that he did there too with the the drum pad and and a little mini synthesizer that he had in the studio. Um, I mean... Interesting that that's a drum pad because one of, like I said, the bass and drum hit me uh, right after the vocals, and I immediately felt like whoever's behind this kit knows what they're doing. Yeah, I've always wanted to play this live with somebody who equally knows. Okay, okay, fun. Yeah, I I can think of several drummers that I would love to perform this with. Um, Flex the drummer is a good example. I feel like he would be a great. Okay. like just a great session drummer, but a great live drummer too. Cool. If you've ever seen him perform, I high key recommended him with ninety three and alive. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, another um, 
just there's there's several several great drummers that I uh, that I have have worked with or have known. Um, there's a drummer um, that I work with at my church. I'm the worship leader at my church. Okay. And uh, Nate Scott's his name, and he's a fantastic drummer. So there's there's several drummers that I'm like I would definitely play this live with them. Ben Garber, um, a dear friend of mine who uh, uh, performs with. Um, uh, several bands, his most recent one being Saratoga Drive. Uh, he's a great drummer too, as well. So I could think of many people that could emulate that kind of drum pad sound, uh, the 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 steady rhythm that Matthew had going on. In nice. There. But that's that's just drum pad. That's, okay. That's him uh, feeling out the rhythm from my strumming. So that's, so that's all him. Um, uh, but he's such a talented dude too. So he's he's a drummer and bassist himself. So. Is that a, a only hands a yeah. drum pad thing? Yeah, like there's no. It's like buttons on a little okay. thing. It's okay. it's weird. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, you know the they sound so realistic. I like, yeah. yeah. You think mean, it would be like an acoustic set? It's not. Yeah, I mean it's like uh, I, I can't replicate the uh, the little snippet that immediately got me, but it was you know. Something like uh, coming off of a hi hat and a cymbal right down into it was like a kind of a transitional. I was like, oh shit! Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, the rhythm guitar was uh, very comforting, and oh. I felt um, you know like oh, this is a good place, a good space. It's all everything's working, and then the lead first lead riff i was like holy shit like i did not expect that and then there's one that's even later that mm-hmm. like was e- maybe even more impressive and it's the, like the e string walk down is my favorite that's okay. that's that's that was something that kind of tied the whole chorus together okay that i wrote okay wrote for that specifically for that song there um and you know the other piece about those lead riffs is uh i don't know if what you it's what you just said or if it's the tone or the actual guitar or uh some of your influences but there's something very striking and almost familiar feeling about a couple of the moments there does that make sense yeah um so you're you're i guess let me see if i can gauge like what your question's asking you're trying to see like where the influence came from for that I, if i could have said it that nicely i would yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah, so um, I mean, there's a lot of different guitarists that I've been greatly inspired by throughout my years. You know, female and male. The biggest one, you know, from the female side would be Nancy Wilson herself okay. from Heart. Okay. Yeah. I got to see Heart perform live um, back in 2019 and just adored every minute of it. It was cool. like watching, you know, your hero on stage. You know, um, another another couple great. Um, Great players would be like Joe Walsh, Eric Clapton, David Gilmore. Very I've been, nice. I've always had like a f- just biggest like intrigue, less towards the shredders and more towards like the more bluesy, I, even like Latin sounding. So I got a little bit of Santana kind of and cool. even Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. Yes. That kind of like um, uh, flair. Yes. Like that flare strum kind okay, of thing, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, flamenco kind of strum thing okay. that I kind of do in the solo there. Um, but it's it's really all about like kind of tying it together with emotion uh, rather than just playing notes to play notes. Gotcha. That was Absolutely. that was something that I I really wanted it to kind of 
uh, have that kind of feel. Well, that's, you know, that, that feel that you just, uh, so eloquently described is sort of the fuel for that keeps you going. Music keeps you going. Music keeps you going. yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really like, you know, it's one of it's one of those if it weren't for if it weren't for guitar if I didn't have something to do with my hands and an instrument you know it would be you know it it, it's like you'd feel trapped right Right. you need to have an outlet of some kind and so having having the guitar and having uh my bass and having my ukulele and mandolin all the all the all the stringed instruments that I do know how to play and then more stringed instruments that I want to know how to play but don't yet yeah and just you know and being able to sing and as best as i you know oh, can man. and trying trying to get the just you know the jitters out you know <laughs> best way to describe it because sure. it's like it you know when when you hold in um your thoughts and feelings for too long it builds up and so oh, something's yeah. got to give oh, yeah. and if you don't have an outlet for it it's it'll break you for sure um, so that if you stay as your single, any anywhere you stream your audio, you can find it. But, Absolutely. Uh, first solo produ- produced endeavor, but typically you're gigging with Lonnie Fisher. Yes. And um, is that what's for for anything that you might have coming uh, solo wise or or stuff that's with Lonnie? Uh, is are there spots to keep a finger on the pulse of what you guys are doing or gig where you're gig, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So, uh, we have a, um, an EP that came out last year called seeds and that features me on bass. Cool. It's five tracks. And then we have another full length album called floating palace. That's going to be coming out sometime this year, I believe. Cool. Um, we have a concert coming up on the 13th and I'll be performing with Lonnie and I will also be doing a solo set and my other bandmate Julia Reynolds will will be doing a solo set okay. there as well, um, and uh, Where... it's going to be at the Gaslight Gardens in Lawrence, Kansas. Okay, very nice. Which is a very nice uh, little pub grill kind of thing going on. Very, just a very lovely um, atmosphere. Cool. A nice, cozy venue. Yeah. Those are those are the kinds of things I like. If sure. I, when you can get you know get nice and personal with the audience cozy of, live menu live menu live music venue yeah. in lawrence kansas yes doesn't get much better than that doesn't for, get much better than that and i played at um the bottleneck before mm. and it's you know it's not the same as playing at you know ye old pubs you know? okay okay and just just getting getting to know the audience and getting getting a feel for how how they're enjoying the music you know, gauging, cool. gauging their, you know, their own influence on your live performance. Sure. And it's not, it's, it's harder when you can't really see them. Like when it's darker, it's like, oh. Bottleneck is not a very well lit place. Not a very well lit place. When, well the, lit place, when no. the, sh- the show's going on. Right. Um, so Seeds, uh, the EP can also be found anywhere you stream. Anywhere you stream Is it. there a, a band camp or a, a website where that stuff lives or no? Um, yes, there is, there should be a band camp. I okay. Believe. For Lonnie Fisher? For Lonnie Fisher, okay. yeah. Okay. And you can find some stuff featuring Autumn Hayes on yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. And that's just, that, uh, that's the first one with Autumn Hayes on there is, is on Seeds. And okay. I sing, I sing a little bit of backup vocals on a couple of songs okay. too. Okay. Nice. Um, You're So Strange off of that, uh, off of that EP. And then, uh, I believe Starve is the other one okay. that I also, cool. also sing backup on there. 
Um, and that's uh, Hayes with an E. Autumn Hayes with an Hayes E. Hayes with an E. People spell it wrong. Of course. I've had people spell it H-A-Y-S. I've had people spell it H-A-Z-E, which I don't know where they're pulling that <laughs> out of. Um, I've had people spell my name without an N, like my first name. So, oh, that's too, that's... which is too bad because you feel like you would know the seasons and how to spell them oh. at, up to this point, but makes you know, me I... uh, just kind of wrinkle my face at their uh, grade school teachers. Right, right. Like, how did you not? Anyway, like um, the only only thing that I can give them grace for is you know their dyslexia is a thing. Yes, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, you know, learning learning uh, learning differences are a thing. So I'm just yes. gonna give them grace. But people do spell my name wrong. But it, it, the the official spelling is Hayes. With an E, H-A-Y-E-S, yes. So, uh, home base is Eudora. Are you born and raised in the area? I was born in I was born in Overland Park, raised in Lawrence. Okay. My dad was in the army. I moved around a bunch. Okay. And, uh, after graduating high school, I came back to Kansas. Right so. on. Um, siblings. I have four sisters. No kidding. I'm the youngest. Of wow. Yep. Okay. Um, and do you happen to know how mom and dad met? Yes, my mom was uh, working. Um, as a waitress, and my dad was on shore leave in Hawaii, and okay. he met her. Cool. At I forgot the name of the uh, grill or bar that my mom sure. worked at, but my dad, my dad met her there. That's what was she, is she from Hawaii? Uh, she also uh, had military in her okay. family and moved around a bunch. Interesting. But she was born in Florida. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. Um. So. I lived actually like seven years of my life was in Hawaii. Really, so I, I I say I grew up in Kansas, but that's just the first five years of my sure. life. Uh, I also grew up in Hawaii, so I consider Hawaii a second home. Okay, for me. cool. Yeah. Um, do you have any memories of uh, them putting on music to listen to in the home when you guys were growing up? Oh, absolutely. Okay. My first memory, man. My first memory was learning how to use a cassette player. Cool. You know, like one of those old, um, like kitty single cassettes, like you know the small ones. Mm-hmm. It was that kind of cassette player. Okay. And uh, I had the single for uh, the police's "Every Little Thing She Does Is Magic," oh, and wow. I played that single cassette over and over and over until the tape broke. Okay. What and was on the backside? Do you remember? I can't remember what was on the backside. The backside had to have been like some instrumental thing. I mm. never, I never flipped it. I just okay. always kept it on. Every little nice. thing she does is magic. Yeah. Playing that over and over. I guess because it had like the picture on the front. So I was okay. like, I know this is the front. I didn't know there was a B side. Sure. But some, I knew, and oftentimes it's just yeah. like another version of the same song, right. which is like, come on, man. Give me, give me a real B side. Yeah, earliest memory: taking a pencil and using my pinky, trying to fix hey, that cassette. Hey, <laughs> that's great. Um, you put a little bit of tape there. If the tape snaps in half, you put a little bit of like uh, scotch tape there to try and fix it, and then it just never sounds the same. It always has that one warble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was a cassette holdout. In fact, I still have most of them. You know, wow. upwards of a thousand. Yeah, I still um, have some old CDs. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, uh, and, and I was still buying them into the late nineties. And, and in fact, uh, uh, one of my favorite artists put out a new album and I bought it on cassette and, uh, mm. st- stupidly, you know, uh, <laughs> kept like a couple of two packs of saltine crackers in my fanny pack. <laughs> um, with a bunch of other things, right? But yeah. I it was on the go and listening to that. Wanted it everywhere in my Walkman in my car, and so uh, one of those packs broke. Oh dear! And so it 
some crumbs got on the reel, and so it's like right when the first song on side A starts, you could just hear it rolling over cracker crumbs. <laughs> and so you just hear like this weird like sizzling sound, yeah. and you're yeah. like, what is that? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so wow, okay, so no, so what uh, what sort of uh, stuff were they into musically? Artist was. Oh, my mom, she was eclectic. She she grew up listening to just about everything. Okay. And uh, living in Hawaii for a good chunk of her life, she listened to reggae, Hawaiiana, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, ska, that rude boy, uh, cool. old yeah. Jamaican music. Heck yeah. And then she also, she was a punk. So she listened to punk music. She listened to like all of the like, um, underground alternative rock music, you know, things that, things that weren't mainstream because she thought that if it, uh, if it was mainstream, it was no longer cool. Like, mm. that was her as a teenager. Mm. And then she got older and was like, that was a stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, my dad was a jock. He listened to mostly mainstream rock country because his friends listened to country. His parents li- listened to country. Oh, wow. So he grew up listening to a lot of country. He was a country boy. He was a jock. Um, and uh, he listened to pop hits, too. Um my mom uh, tells me that one of the first memories of her dating my dad was uh, finding out that he had a cassette tape of Paula Abdul in his car. Straight so, up? Yeah, straight nice. up. Nice. Yep. Nice. And she was um, impressed. Well, <laughs> also teased him a little bit about she, it. Uh, yeah. She may, you know. I mean, my a, dad loves Gwen Stefani, so he's he's a big. I like your dad. Yeah, already. he's a big <clears throat> he's a big pop music fan. So he loves he loves pop. You know, within within like you know, like the era the era of when it was good according to him. Or sure, whatever. but he sure. loves he loves like pop rock. Oh yeah, you know, the popular rock. Yep, I'm using pop as like a uh, colloquial term for popular, right? Not, oh. not pop as pop. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, man, I, I was, uh, you know, a teenage boy when uh, the Paula Abdul's of the world were uh, yeah. launching their careers. And I mean, not only was her stuff catchy, but she was like super hot in a way that, you know, uh, Overland Park, Kansas white boy had not seen before. And then right. of course her dance, you know, there were, the MTV is still alive and kicking and, and she had a dance production. Yeah. You Remember know, those days? Oh yeah. My gosh. Oh, for sure. There was MTV was like in its dying breaths when I was growing up, like I as know, far as right? music goes, and which means I missed a lot. Right. <laughs> like right. I missed out on a lot. But the good news is there's at least the for for a little bit growing up there was the Saturday reruns, okay. Saturday morning reruns. So you would have uh, if you woke up early enough, which I never did, but if you woke up early enough on MTV and VH1, they would. Uh, do the reruns of old like 80s music really it was so cool nice sometimes mtv still does it but for uh for the most part like you have to find like a special now sure or probably not even worth it because it's like yeah subscription yeah yeah or search it on YouTube, maybe. Oh, uh, just if, if you search it on YouTube, that's so much easier. Just right. look up whatever music yes. video. But that's not as fun as like you know having the music videos be on shuffle and you're just getting whatever yeah. the picks of the, the VJ. day. Were. Yeah, the V. What the VJ's putting the v- in. Yeah. Um, Which that's no longer a term. You don't hear anybody no, being called VJs. No, and in fact, yeah. you see the <laughs> Kurt Loader and all. They're like eighty. It's like what? Yeah. That, or you know, in their seventies. Hmm. Um. So how you know? I'm often uh, curious about uh, the music that exists because our right. parents own it and play it when we enter the world, and yeah. then you know it. We uh, assemble it into our own, and and then eventually, at some point. 
uh, you start getting your own kind of precisely. Taste. So yeah. I'm curious if there's a first album that you acquired or fell in love with or borrowed that sticks out. Oh, the first album. It's a compilation album, okay. but it was really like that would be the first. Well, I don't know. There's a couple. Okay. There's a couple. I um because it's it's around the same time that I started getting a taste in music. Okay. Like instead of just listening to whatever yeah. my parents threw on the radio, um. But, you know, some people that's later in childhood, for me, it was around the age six. Okay. So I was still fairly young, but I started getting my own, like, you know, interest in music. Sure. Like, my parents aren't as crazy about these artists as I ended up being. Okay. Which is interesting, because they played this music all the time, and I was like, are you, like, nuts? You're <laughs> you're the one that spoon-fed me right, this crap. Right, Yeah, but the first one I would say, like, from memory, would probably be, um, okay, so this one was also a compilation album of sorts. You remember back when we used to burn CDs? Of course. Yeah, so this was a bootlegged, burned CD of Matchbox 20 songs. Oh, really? Yeah. Where did that come from? My mom. Okay, okay. <laughs> Making mix CDs. She made a, she made a mixtape wow, of parents. just Matchbox 20 songs That's... of like her favorite songs from uh, More Than You Think You Are, um, Yourself or Someone Like You, Mad Season, like those ones. I think she had a little bit of Exile Mainstream, but I think that album um, didn't come out until I was a, a little bit older. Okay, okay. But those three albums, she got, took her favorite songs from those and made it into a little mixtape CD. Sure. And I remember listening to that uh, album, and uh, it's had like that Sharpied on Matchbox 20, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, label. And I would always ask for that one. And that's, um, that was my first uh, celebrity crush was Rob Thomas okay, growing up. Because okay. it's like, I was like, I just loved his voice. Sure. I thought he was, you know, I didn't even know what he looked like, but it was his voice that stood out so much to right. me. Well, I mean, isn't he the the feature vocal on Smooth? Smooth, yeah. Santana? Everybody points out Smooth. Well, because it's like, <laughs> I mean, because those two dudes, mm-hmm. what they do on their own in their craft yeah. is Smooth. Yeah. And then he, then they feature together, and it's a song called Smooth. It's called Smooth. <laughs> and also from the 1999 album Supernatural. Yeah. And you look at a dude like Rob Thomas, knowing yeah. nothing, you're like, he looks a smooth looking dude. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> Still uh, is. Is yeah, he? Okay. Yeah, he's in his 50s now, I think. There like you he's go. he's relatively like, you know, at at least middle-aged at this point. Okay. But um he still he still looks young. Like you would you would mistake him for a 30 something looking at him like his um what what stands out what stands out to me um the most about his sound is it sounds it's very interesting because it sounds like a Midwestern or almost country boy trying to do rock. Okay. And succeeding. So it was that early, like early 2000s alt rock kind of yeah. movement yeah. that happened. Um, and it it was a. He's like a it John was like Cougar an Mellon Camp with a little less little Mellon bit. Camp. Little bit less, me- yeah. It was John John Cougar Mellencamp. He was his own breed sure, too. So yes. was John Fogarty. John right, Fogarty right. was his own breed. For sure. You couldn't really like put a genre on them. The best like genre I could give for John Fogarty was swamp rock. Okay, because I, I don't, like it. Yeah. I don't have like a label for it. I'm like you. You are your own thing. You're not even southern. Right. <laughs> like right. Where's he from? Oh, New Jersey. I think. Oh, that's right. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Um, 
That's awesome. I uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to verify that later. I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't. Well, but it's. Uh, I know that. I know that the um, he's, you know, not as not as country as he sounds. And then, but yeah, Rob Thomas definitely has got that. Um, just the deep tenor that's, um, just again as as you would say, smooth. Yeah. And then it, it you get like a comforting kind mm-hmm, of feel from mm-hmm, it. For and sure. I guess like as a child, that's what you need to hear the most, right? Is mm-hmm. you want to hear music that's comforting. You don't want to hear something that's going to like rip your eardrums out, no, right? No. So that was that would probably be like um the first album that uh drew my attention. The I, next one would be um this one was also a compilation album, but not a bootleg this time. My parents had some taste, um, <laughs> but you know, uh, a lot of like what we would listen to, it would be c- CDs that we would throw in the car mm-hmm. uh, because being an army brat, we moved around a bunch. So I was a road trip girl. Gotcha. So I learned, I learned what the playlists were because we went on road trips a lot. So another CD that we would listen to a lot on repeat was the uh, Journey Greatest Hits oh, One C- there you uh, go. CD nice. album. Yep. Very nice. That one is, uh, there's something about the guitar and uh, only the young. Neil okay. Sean's Neil Sean's guitar that just rang through um, in, in just those first, first four bars before Steve Perry starts singing. And that was just, like, you know, first of all, my mom had the volume up way I too loud. I was just going to say. And so it kind of shocks you awake because yeah. you're like, you know, drow- like drowsing in and out of like sleep in your like booster seat or whatever. <laughs> and then you just kind of, what was that? Right. Right. And <laughs> it was Wheel in the Sky, man. What, it was, give it the program. No, it was Only the Young. And then yeah, Wheel know. in the Sky was the next song. Gotcha. And then I knew for a fact, Wheel in the Sky had to have been song number two. And while well, song number three was Don't Stop Believing. You would think Don't Stop Believing would be the first one. No, it was Only the Young. And that song specifically is what drew me to Journey. And I, I remember reading, I knew that it was Journey because I could read the uh, band name journey on the cd yes. from in the back seat sure. and you know because my eyes were that good back then um <laughs> i haven't had we'll, a vision test in like years oh wow uh we'll, we'll come back to journey yeah journey. Um, that was the big one uh you might be that might be the first time i've ever uh heard uh, the notion of somebody having parents that made mixed CDs. So really, yeah. I mean, yeah, because I'm I, I'm probably your parents' age or oh, or close. well, there you go. I mean, so it's like, oh my gosh, that's good. So um, I turned 25 this month, for right? Reference. I, and yeah. I certainly didn't expect you to uh, drop the old uh, pencil fix and the scotch tape fix mm-hmm. on the cassettes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as a as a young person, but mm-hmm. very very. My parents refused to modernize for a while. <laughs> okay. Uh, it took me breaking their VHS player for them to realize, oh, maybe we should get a, a DVD DVD player. player? Nice. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I thought, well, cassettes have a B-side. Some C- CDs have a B-side. Some DVDs have a B-side for bonus features. Right. I wonder if I flip a VHS tape upside down. Oh, man. And I did because I thought it'd give me bonus features. It did not. Oh, man. <laughs> Gave you a trip to the electronic store yeah. instead. Yep. Um, <laughs> that was the bonus feature. So Rob Tom, or uh, mm-hmm. Rob Tom, Matchbox 20, Mix mm-hmm. CD, uh, yep. and Journey Greatest Hits. Yep. Um, how about... Uh, first show or, or concert first performance concert. that stands out? That stands out. Mm-hmm. Ooh. 
Because I have, well, I have a couple first concert performances. Uh, There's one that um, my dad swears that I saw live, but I was too young to remember. That was Aaron Tippin. Aaron uh, Tippin. He is a country artist. Okay. So he sings the song where the so- uh, stars and stripes and the eagles fly. Okay. Really great song. And he had a um, song, I think I vaguely remember there was an American flag in the background because it was a country show, right? Mm-hmm. So there had to have been an American flag, you know, on the back of the stage. And he was kneeling down and um, he had a... Uh, build your own like bicycle kit and he was building a bicycle on stage that i remember wow and so that's that's like the i vaguely remember that but i remember that being like a key part of the concert um but other than that i don't really remember much of the performance sure yeah so but that that would be weird if you if you were like set to about halfway you know yeah busting out details i was very young (laughs) i was exactly like i remember i remember things that are weird you know, which any young person would remember the weird stuff sure, because it's like, sure. yeah, it d- doesn't happen every day that somebody builds a bike on stage. No, it does not. Uh, so Aaron Tippin is mm-hmm. one. You that said there one. were a couple. Um, another one was uh, Hoobastank, actually. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was the first real rock concert that I ever attended. Really? Um, and With friends or family? With or? family. Okay. Um, and this was back in Hawaii. Uh, we did this, they had this thing that USO had this thing where they would perform free concerts for the military. Sure. And I think Hoobastank was involved in that somehow. Three Doors Down did another one too, and I got to see them. They were okay. Okay. Uh, I think they opened for, either they opened for Puddle of Mud or Hoobastank opened for Puddle of Mud. I can't remember. Gotcha. Puddle of Mud was not memorable, which is weird because they were the headliners. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Um, I've had somebody, um, on here that uh, was in a local band many, many years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and gigged with them and, uh, yeah. got into a beef with them because, uh, the, uh, they, the openers became, uh, they were like a crowd favorite yeah. and, and Paloma didn't care for that. I, I might be slightly off on that i just know that there was a, a shared bill and uh afterwards the it wasn't as pleasant as it they thought <laughs> it might be going in but anyway well um um here's here's a top tip from a uh professional musician who kind of does this thing if you're um the headliner it's kind of distasteful if most of your set is cover songs <laughs> Agreed. So Agreed. And I'm not a performer, but yeah. I am. I do see a lot of shows, and mm-hmm. uh, I I the love... only excuse is if you don't have enough like material written to where you could have a full concert. Well, but yeah, Puddle of Mud's that's, been around long that's enough at the beginning that to, right? of the of the trajectory. Not yeah, you're not at the, this stage, not the headline, right? Yeah, right. Not the headlining act. But yeah, Hoobastank. The one thing that stood out to me from that concert was they have they have a hit song. I'm sure you know the name of it. The reason, right? Mm. Uh, he goes. I found. I found the reason for me uh, to change who I used to be. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's their. A... That's their number one hit song. They have a couple others, but that's the one that um, everybody like. If you go to, if they are going to a Hooba Stink concert, that's the one they know. Sure. So what stood out to me was that everybody in the song, in in the concert, was singing that song. Oh wow! To the point that Doug Rob, the lead singer, 
uh, couldn't even get a word out. Like he was like, well, I'm trying to sing this song, but you took it over. Wow. <laughs> so cool. it's, it's really cool seeing just, um, crowd participation. For that sure. was my first experience. For sure. That. Nice. Really enjoyed that. Um, so speaking of trajectories, uh, and musicianship, you have yeah. been, uh, you've had a, lo- a long term, uh, relationship with stringed instruments. Yes. Is it was a stringed in- instrument your first and a, at what age were you, uh, first playing? Which one was my first and at what age? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, ukulele was my first Okay. at, uh, at around 11 years old. And uh, like 10 or 11, uh, I was living in Hawaii at the time. And the reason I started with ukulele was so that I could take guitar lessons so that I could prove that I'm, I'm good at ukulele enough to, to, so my parents would be, is that a more common instrument in in Hawaii than it would be, uh, you know, in the continental 48 or, um, it's, it's more common in, uh, in Hawaii, but it's taught everywhere. Sure, sure. In, but in, how, many, how many people have you met in 25 years on this planet uh, that have said that that's also their first instrument? Uh, a few. A few. Yeah, but especially most... in my generation. Okay. So okay. it became uh, a lot more mainstream with the rise of um, the pop hits that started including ukulele as the main instrument for the song. Okay. So Hey Soul Sister by Train being a classic example gotcha. of a song that features a lot of ukulele and gets people like, oh, maybe I should learn that. Another one would be I'm Yours, Jason Mraz, that has ukulele in it. Mm, um, I know his name. Yeah. I don't I can't place the song right off the top, but that's all right. It's it's from my my era. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Um, another, another one, a more recent one is Riptide by Vance Joy. Okay. So that's, that's an ukulele song. So people that, um, want to learn ukulele, learn it so they can play their favorite songs. Ukulele is a fantastic tool for cover song playing. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that was the test you needed to pass for mom and dad. It was the litmus test for guitar. Guitar. And then uh, how, at 11? At 12, I started taking guitar lessons. Okay. And I'm, uh, I'll be 25 this month. Sure. So I've been playing guitar for almost 13, no, over half my life. Okay. And, And at some point you incorporated bass as well. Yeah, so I was around 16, 17 when I got my first bass. Wow, cool. Yeah, and um, it's still it's still my only bass to this day. But right on. It, it does it's it does does the job. Sure. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. right? Um, and then uh, you've got uh, uh, if you stay, your first uh, single is out. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you have your first gig? Be it solo or with other folks or. Oh well. Solo, I started doing gigs at um, the uh, one of the Eagles clubs. I forgot which area it is, but it's in um, in Lawrence. Okay. I just forgot which, which specific Eagle club it was, but I started doing gigs there. I did a couple uh, gigs in um, North Carolina and Virginia, but that was all like for exposure stuff. So this was my first paid gig. Okay. There. Okay. Um, and uh, I also did open mics and things like that. Sure. But it was really like when I started uh, performing at wineries that I really started like getting getting really nice noticed for solo gigs. I should know the answer to this, and I know I could just Google it. Uh, but what is what are the Eagle Clubs? What do they? What is their ah. function? So it's a um, veterans of uh, right. foreign wars. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, VFW. Okay. Nice. VFW clubs. 
So um, you have to you have to be a member to be you know to go in, eat to there, go, to drink go eat there, there, drink there, see yeah. me, uh, performance, yeah. or be invited by a member. Okay, so gotcha. that it's one of those. It was one of those like it paid, but the audience was slim to none of because course. of uh, just. Lack of lack of members, lack of um, just people knowing about it, knowing that it even exists because it's a club. Yeah, you know, playing yeah. at clubs is something totally different than playing at a winery where anybody can go there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, are you a person um, that uh, leading up to the moments that a performance is going to be- begin, do you, do you get anxious? Do you have nerves? Well, I think anybody in their right mind would have some kind of nerves. If you, yeah, yeah. if you have a pulse, right. Right, mind um, and a pulse are the yeah. two ingredients too. Yep. Yeah, um, but it's like when you get to like, if I haven't had a show in a long time, I would get nervous. But it, once you get into like the flow of things, it it really like it starts becoming commonplace that oh, there's going to be a gig happening. Oh, there's going to be a gig happening. Nice. Well, I'll just I'll just prepare. So you use the time to prepare so that you don't have nerves. Very cool. So very cool. It's, I don't know if I worded that right, but yeah, you seem to have gotten, absolutely. You, you got the gist. Uh, I've had, uh, I mean, cause yeah. I'm, unfortunately, um, yeah, you know, I'm a, a person that brings anxiety to a, a lot of Interesting. situations. And yeah. so, I mean, I get, yeah. I get nervous before yeah. almost every one of these, I see. especially if it's a stranger, yeah. you know, cause I don't, I don't want it to be sucky. I want, want them to have a good time. <laughs> I want the end product to be yeah. worth something. Um, and you know it goes away like we get I, I used to um have uh pretty pretty crippling anxiety oh, no like kidding. in my um high school years especially um just brought on by just you know experiences of being a teenager I sure. would I would uh just chalk that up to that yes. but uh I um Part of it I outgrew, and then another part it's like, well, some of it's still there, but it's less anxiety and more of like, oh, you're just overthinking the situation. Uh, right, Autumn. right. I was uh, my. In fact, I said all that to say that you know, yeah. thinking about being a performer, yeah, and 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 approaching a performance makes me feel a little anxious. And uh, Dan Jones, I believe, was the guest. Uh-huh. Uh, where was Dan? Episode ninety two, so not too long ago. Oh wow. Um, and he was like, you know. Generally speaking, folks, crowds are pretty forgiving. Yeah. Like, and so if if you that keep true. that in mind, um, and then there's also the element of you know if if you goof, like most folks probably aren't picking up on it. It's like you said, it's mm-hmm. the stuff that's between your own ears. Yes. That could be a hurdle for you to over. Anyway. Yeah. Um, no, you're you're right on the nose with that. That's that's the thing is that the the issue is not whether or not you make a mistake. It's whether or not you draw attention to right. it. Right. Exactly. Because as soon exactly. as you draw attention to it, now everybody's going to sure, know. Sure. You wouldn't have even noticed if you didn't if you didn't say a da- doggone thing. I know. I was watching an I episode. I I'm a sucker for like those competition shows. Okay. There's uh there's one called Face Off, which is about like uh the special effects makeup uh, oh. competition. Michael Westmore's one of the mentors on there. Okay. Um and uh one of the artists. Uh, she was upset because she used um, cotton candy as a wig and she didn't realize that it melts, you know, with heat. And uh, she was freaking out and she uh, drew attention to it. And when the, one of the judges was like, if you hadn't said a doggone thing, I wouldn't have noticed. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. 
Because she was in like the top three of that night. Oh man. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, thank you again for being here. I appreciate you taking the time and coming yeah, coming all this way. Me. Of course. Yeah. Um, and and thank you for uh, giving me a list, which you did a top three. Yeah. Uh, which we. We'll just go right back to. Yes. Oh, uh, my gosh. Journey Greatest Journey Hits. Journey Greatest Hits. Ah. So that's. Yeah, you said we'll go back to Journey. And, oh, man. 1988. 1988's the year it came yes. out. I had the CD uh, version of it. I still have it somewhere. I think it's my, it belongs to my mom at the very least. But I still have that CD somewhere. Um, again, Only the Young. It's the starting song when it just, it just draws you in. Um, you're hit with that uh, that um, arpeggio riff that Neil Sean's doing. Mm-hmm. So that song, and then you get the just uh, that pick slide that. Oh yeah. And then yeah. the other thing that drew my attention, and people like they, it's so underrated. This guy's so underrated. Ross Valerie is the bassist. Okay. Okay. And he is so underrated, but he has an incredible um, riff in this song. Do 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 do. And as a bassist, obviously you notice these things. Of so I'm, I'm, I'm like, wow, that is that is just incredible. It's it's the fact that the bass just kind of it elevated the mm, guitar okay and then you have the synth that jonathan kane's doing um and then so you have all of that and then steve smith of course being the backbeat and then all of that builds up to the majestic tenor that is steve perry's voice sure so you you just get hit with another night in any town and it's like oh my goodness yeah <laughs> and, um, and my first thing thought because i was a child of six and i hadn't heard much tenors in my life because my dad has a deep voice mm. so my dad's a baritone when he sings so i hadn't heard much tenors so my my reference for male singers were, you know, either mezzo tenors or uh, baritones, you know. Wow. So okay. they're either deep voice or somewhat not deep. Like, you know, like Rob Thomas, of course. Yes. And then you get Steve Perry's voice, which is the total opposite yes. end of the spectrum. And I'm like, is this a guy or a girl? That was because I'm a child, right? So that yeah. was my first yeah. thought. And my mom was like, that's a guy. And I was right? like, oh. Yeah. He, yeah, it's like he got he got a very high voice and it just for sure and and a, and a, and and a good I sounding found it one very very intriguing beautiful voice yeah he's uh his influences surprisingly were R and B so okay. not not rock and roll his influences were R and B so you could hear that in a lot of the later albums um especially in the later eighties sure. so you got that kind of uh just uh. That kind of soulful kind mm-hmm, of vibe, mm-hmm. but in the early stuff in the seventies, you know, you hear more of that kind of uh, just uh, BG or rock and roll kind of. Everybody's doing this almost discoy, but also rock kind of psychedelic rock kind of thing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, uh, along the years. Oh no! Don't stop believing is the second one. Well, okay. Well. Yeah, it was just I just looked at the track list there. Yeah, we own the sky's the third. I was like, all right, so the, the they're still the first three sure, songs. Sure. Um, I have always loved, um, making discoveries and seeing connections as a music fan, i.e. if you happen to be, uh, a person who, 
uh, likes match, Matchbox 20 and, and Carlos Santana, and then they feature together on a track. Like, <laughs> oh, that's cool. I know both of those. Hey, um, here's so, another six degrees of Santana. Did you know that Santana led to Journey? <laughs> Santana begat Journey. So uh, Greg Raleigh, who was the first keyboardist of Journey, and Neil Sean, who's the guitarist of Journey, of course, they uh, used to play in Santana. I did not know that. Yeah, so but, that's a little fun fact. I was going to say, and, and this is this one is particularly it's it's backwards to yeah. a lot. But so 1982 ish, 83 ish. I'm in. Uh, uh, suburb of Atlanta. Interesting. And uh, this is like the one little window of my life where we had cable consistently. So any opportunity <laughs> uh, to put on MTV, I would. And, and it's 1982. So you had like, what, five channels? I don't know. <laughs> but I can tell you that there are a number of music videos that had a profound impact on me. Oh, and of one of them is... Uh, starts with just a uh, here's your screen and it's steve perry's face and should have been gone from, uh, oh oh shit yes and oh, and i absolutely <laughs> i know i just just destroyed those that that line uh but i fell in love with that song there's a well, great, 1986 is when that came out yeah is it 86 yeah really? or no 85 85 really no 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 ad4 I was wrong. Okay. 84. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm. I have that album on vinyl. I'm still not quite, you know, I haven't taken that first step down the path of uh, creating my own tape. It's like just yeah. what's accessible. Uh, and so then later, uh, when I am doing yeah. that, I'm like, that guy sounds like, and, and I'm getting exposed to Journey, and <laughs> I end up with a copy of this cassette. Uh, you know, I hear them on FM radio, and I'm like, that guy sounds a lot like the O'Sherry guy. <laughs> and this is, of course, pre-internet. So, <laughs> so you, you know, worked backwards. Well, <laughs> you, so you yeah. find out either yeah. maybe the DJ says it on FM radio, mm -hmm. maybe somebody tell. Anyway, it's like, oh wow, what? How interesting. And then you learn, oh yeah, this is you know. And then you'd have other people who'd be like, hey, play that new Journey song. Yeah. And it turns out it's Steve Perry's solo work. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, so this, they make 16 records, uh, and this one's kind of squeezed in the middle of everything. Um, yeah. 786 consecutive weeks in the Billboard 200, which, as far as compilations go, uh, is second only to, can you guess it? Oh, man. If you're talking compilations... I'm trying to think about it. Lively yeah. up yourself. Bob Marley legend. Bob Marley. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because legend and then journey legend greatest hits. Legend and then journey yeah. greatest hits. Wow. For anyway, uh, I like that little tidbit. But um, And can you, you, just looking at the artwork too, that's, mm -hmm. so it's something um, that's kind of silly, uh, but a little, little, uh, Goofy, goofy fact about me is that I just I love looking at album artwork. I oh, will stare at sure. the artwork like as I'm listening to the CD. And so this artwork right here, I also love that it says Journey like in the stones, yes, like on the sides. So this specific um, uh, little scarab beetle that's on the top there, I actually have on my front license plate oh, on really? my car. Cool. Yeah, so it's something really. Um, 
that's uh, uh, just I always carry with me, actually. Nice. And what's funny is uh, that was a custom design that I had my uh, good friend of mine, Theo, uh, who lives in California. Shouts out uh, to Theo in California. Yeah, Theo Solorio, he he designed that for me. An uh, incredible artist, uh, incredible incredible young artist and cartoonist. Um, they have a uh, a cartoon called Journey Beyond that's uh, kind of inspired by Steve Perry. Oh, so wow. if you find that uh, Facebook page, there you go. Well, <laughs> it's really it's almost Don Bluthy the kind of okay, style. Really really cool uh, animation and uh, comicing style. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the only, only negative, uh, thing I'll say about Steve Perry is that it was, uh, t- tough, uh, to watch him, uh, go up and down the stairs at Candlestick Park or wherever the Giants play baseball oh, yeah. in the Royals 2014 World yeah. Series run. Yeah. Cause he had a hip replacement, right? Well, yeah, but he's just riling up the crowd, yeah. uh, to don't stop believing, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, Get out of here, you nerd! You know, you nerd. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so that was '88. Uh, if we jump back two years, uh, another fascinating fellow with another connection story, of course. Ah, yes, Peter Gabriel. Peter so, Gabriel. Fourth so. record of ten, nine tracks, forty-one minutes. Um, he put out four straight solo projects that are named like Peter Gabriel 1 Peter or Gabriel 2, Peter Gabriel 3, Peter Gabriel 4, but sometimes they're known by what you see on the album. Alternate name. Yep. Yeah. So the first one would be Car, because yep. there's a car. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. The second one would be, uh, it's either Scratch or Melt. I think it's Scratch. I think it's Scratch. We don't talk about that one. There's no hits off of that. Okay. Third one's Melt. Melt has Biko, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And then fourth one's Security. So he did those so, four. Peter and, then, Gabriel, and then one, his, two, three, four, and then So. And then five, six, seven are all short, it's all short singular, singular names. Yeah. And then his newest one, which came out last year, it's IO. Yes. So which is I slash O. I correct? slash O, which stands for in and out. I thought so. Yeah. I thought so. Interesting. It, fascinating very, dude. Very fascinating dude. And I was waiting forever for him to put out a new album too. So I, you know, because he hadn't put one out since two thousand two, right? I did so think there was a really, gap. Yeah. Really, really long gap for an album release, and it's so worth the wait. He was working with two producers, so he has a dark side mix and then a light side mix. But that's that album. We'll talk about so. Well, <laughs> I, I, I just but, wanted yeah. to throw out the the connection yeah. right. uh, thing again, and it, it's like. Um, uh, you know, somebody, uh, random day, random person, mm-hmm. Peter Gabriel songs on, you, you know, this guy used to be in Genesis and you I'm know like, this guy used to be in Genesis. I'm like, yeah. excuse me, Phil Collins is the guy that was in Genesis and well, now Peter does. Peter Gabriel was also in Genesis. I, yeah. of course I wind yeah. up putting my foot in my mouth because <laughs> but I was trying to be uppity guy that knows music details and pushes your glasses up. You know, kind of, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, um, fascinating choice of uh, title uh, out, titles for his records. Mm-hmm. Fascinating videos. And back then in the, the word, just one word to describe the whole album too. Right. Is so right. And and when you're listening to it, you know you end up saying like so at the end, like as you as you've done because it's like well now we have to extrapolate all we've heard. And interesting how you say that. There's nine tracks on this. This is the extended. Uh, 
release when there's nine tracks. The original had only eight, if I remember. Oh, no kidding. Uh, so just eight really decently produced tracks. Oh. So keeping it simple, you know, keeping it short and sweet, not having a ton of ton of songs to work with, you're able to put a lot more production into that and really put out like just a lot more meaningful product. I believe David Bowie did the same thing with his Let's Dance album. There's only like eight or nine songs mm. on that album and every single one of them is just you can just hear like the quality cool. and what's just been poured in. Um Obviously, like there's a lot of great hits off of this album: Red Rain, Sledgehammer, Don't Give Up, which features Kate Bush. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you have In Your Eyes, Mercy Street, which is a beautiful song, beautiful music video too. If you watch that, Big Time, which is a hilarious music video, and also another nod to the Sledgehammer style, uh, little um, stop motion style music video for sure. Uh, and then you have like other hits, like, well, not hits, but like, uh, songs. I don't think they were released as singles, but songs in there, like that voice again. And we do what we're mm. told, which mm-hmm. is a really, really cool, uh, interpretation, uh, musical interpretation of the Milgram study. So he's, he was very Hence inspired. Yeah. He was inspired so much by poetry and psychology when he created this album. So you can really hear it when you're listening to these songs. Um, something that I really want to point out. And when I'm listening to these is the bass. Mm. Tony Levin. Holy smokes, dude. Okay. Just incredible bassist. And just the, is the groove that he produces in the songs, even if they're slow, you can you can hear the bass just carrying the entire song. It's like, wow, your back must hurt from carrying the weight of the song. But I'm listening, <laughs> I'm listening to to the bass and how it's just being that driving force and not overpowering the drums, but rather complementing them. Right? Have you, in conversations with so. folks, uh, come across people that uh, struggle to hear the bass in songs? I used to be the kind of person that would struggle to hear the bass, right. but you know, it was, it's so funny because it took me learning guitar for me to hear the bass because they would go yeah. listen to the bass on him and I would listen. I was like, oh, wow, that's actually really, really talented, whatever he's doing. And um, another song that uh, I would listen to that I didn't realize it was bass at first was For Whom the Bell Tolls. Mm. The intro to that, Cliff Burton's playing it on bass. in peace, yeah. yeah. So that's a very, like, you know, sometimes if you go high enough, yeah, people are going to hear it. But for the most part, uh, bass is meant to be kind of felt and not heard. Interesting, yeah, for and sure. If if you take the bass out, you're definitely, like, you're left with something that's very empty. A little naked. Sound. A yeah. little naked, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Now, anything anything naked is horrifying. Well, so, <laughs> unless, unless that was your end goal. If that was your end goal, the only... <laughs> There's a couple songs that actually don't have any bass and is just like guitar and mm. maybe like a piano or a um oh like tambourine or something mm. like some some kind of percussive element in there and it's just that and and the guitar and then a voice and it's that empty space in that that makes it sound so interesting. Weird. Okay. And I, I can't recall any of them like off the top of sure. my head, but I know like a few of them are like from that singer songwriter era of the sixties. So I, it also yeah. makes me it also gives me a, a slight uh, Hawaii vibe. Uh, oh yeah, for you know, sure. Just kind of uh, strings and uplifting and uh, mm-hmm. anyway. Oh yeah. Um. So all. Four older, <clears throat> excuse me, four older sisters, uh, yeah. are music fans as well. Um, so a couple of my sisters okay. were uh, 
fans of like like they were they were they're talented singers. Okay. Um so there's there's my oldest sister that's more of like arts and crafts kind of thing. Okay. Like she's very crafty, like good at good at like origami and like paper curling, you know, kind of things. Um pottery, she could do like pottery and things like that. So if if it deals with like working with your hands, she can do it. Cool. Um and then you have the sister sister below her that um is uh, she can sing, like she can carry a tune, um, but never like took any lessons for it. Gotcha. And uh, she's always been like more fascinated with like country. Like she's okay. on a big country kick lately. Cool. Um, and then you have the sister below that who has a beautiful voice. Nice. And uh, just natural gift, right? And then you have the sister below that who's a triple threat. She can sing, dance, and act. And oh boy. Like, oh. Wow. And then you have me who had to take lessons just so that I could carry a tune. Hey. <laughs> but I, I look where, I mean, uh, we yeah. wouldn't have, uh, if it you stay, oh. if you wouldn't have done that <laughs> right so is the uh, journey greatest hits uh, sort of landed in your lap because of uh, your folks is this is mm-hmm. peter gabriel's so another one that became special to you because it was around or did you discovered it on on your own it was a mix of the two my okay. mom was a like she liked songs from the album but she didn't have the album around mm-hmm. i actually had to go out and get this album i have it on vinyl okay um but uh, this was one of this was one of those things where it was like it was uh, dear to um, uh, her biological dad, I believe. Okay. So it was like I I seeked out Peter Gabriel as a way to connect with a late grandfather that I never got to meet. Oh, okay, cool. So that's Very cool. that was uh, kind of like my end goal for that nice um but my mom likes sledgehammer okay so she so sure. she does she does like some peter gabriel songs but she didn't have that strong of a connection gotcha but she said that her uh her dad liked him so um so what about uh the peter gabriel era of genesis have you have you dipped in i have the... lamb lies down on broadway on okay vinyl. and how many times uh i have it on cd okay uh how many times have you given it a top to back Straight through listen. Once. Okay. Uh, there's four sides. So mm-hmm. there's two two mm-hmm. two vinyls and yep. there's four sides to that. So it's a lot of flipping. Yes. Um, but it's it really like listening to it front to back, you really do get the whole picture. Right. But uh, I would go back and listen to that title track, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, over and over. Oh, that's a good that one. one's just, it slaps. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's it does. Like, and it's that build up to the... Uh, to the central theme, and the lamb lies down, and then you get on Broadway, and then the bass comes in. Super cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always the bass. That's right? how you know that it's like, oh yeah, this guy's definitely worked with Genesis. Just listen to the bass. Right. Yeah. Nice. Uh, well, we're working backwards. We go 88, 86, and then um, again, uh, knowing uh, roughly what you mm-hmm. look like and vaguely how old you are. Yeah. Uh, we message a few times and then you give mm-hmm. me your list and I did a double take when I saw moving pictures on yes. there because I was like, she does not look like what one might guess a Rush fan to look like. Also, she seems like she's way too young to be into Rush. So <laughs> I am very fascinated. Um, mad shots out to all three of them. Uh, yes. Getty. Getty, Alex uh, and Neil. Uh, Rest in peace, yes, Neil. Yes. Um, uh, tell me about your introduction to Rush and how Moving Pictures wound up 
making earning a spot on your list? So I was um, uh, taking guitar lessons. Okay. Um, with uh, a great guitar instructor. Shout out to Andy Tolenko. Um he was my first guitar instructor. I did private lessons with him. I did. I think I did like an hour long lesson uh, once a week for four years. Okay. And during that time, because I was like, I need, I I was the kind of kid that needed like more, um, uh, input. Like I was like, I needed, I need some more, some more like music to absorb to further develop my craft. Hey. And Excellent insight for a young person. He. He definitely encouraged me to listen to Pink Floyd. He encouraged me to listen to Rush. Oh, wow. Uh, he encouraged me to listen to Led Zeppelin because mm. um, I was of the um, opinion for the longest time that I thought Led Zeppelin was annoying because I thought Robert Plant had a very whiny voice. Oh, okay. And he was like, no, no, listen to, listen to Led Zeppelin, listen to Pink Floyd, listen to Rush. My mom encouraged me to listen to Rush as well. Okay. She was all like... She was like, "No, you should definitely uh, uh, listen to them if you're if you're uh, wanting to learn some uh, really cool uh, guitar picking things." Sure. So she showed me closer to the heart. Conversely, yeah. my mother. Yeah. Uh, it, it, this is one of the artists she would immediately change if any song of theirs came on because <laughs> he sounds like a woman. His voice is so annoying. It's like I. And she would also do the same for Bob Dylan. Can't stand his voice, and so it's like. As I become a, a fan of both of those artists, I, I immediately realize, you know, they are an acquired taste. I've been told. Well, I, doing research into the band because I'm I'm a nerd. If I have to if I have to listen to a, an artist and I find myself liking them, I look through the whole Wikipedia okay. <laughs> and I just research everything. Sure. Um, but uh, I believe the early reviews of Rush. And in particular, Getty Lee was, he sounded like a cat being blended, mm. is what somebody said. Well, shame on you, whoever <laughs> yeah. said that. Yeah, so Getty's, that's what that's what a um, music, uh, they're like music critic said. About, I, I feel like I keep, have seen, I've seen a couple mm -hmm. posts, like they're going to tour. Uh, like it would be Taylor interesting Hawkins if they do, yeah. Kind of thing. It'd be interesting if they did. I don't know who would replace Neil. Well, though. I, I yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, it would be, it would be interesting. Again, uh, looking at how many songs are here, only seven songs, and it's a this is a considered a full length album. Yep. All of these songs, well, looking at the length of the songs, it makes sense that's a full length album. Uh, but all of these songs are incredible. Absolutely. Just really great, um, just masterpieces of songwriting. And For sure. I was I was getting into a big songwriting kick at that time too when I first started listening to them. So via mom's encouragement is why yeah, you're listening to via okay. mom's encouragement and my guitar instructor's encouragement. Oh, right, right. And I wanted to develop my guitar skills, but I also wanted to develop my songwriting skills. So listening to a rush really got me like focusing on the lyrics and it got me focusing on like you know, progressive rock and that kind of thing because I was uh, listening to a lot of Queensryche at the time too. Okay. So Rush, Rush influence was influenced by Queen. Uh, my listening to Queensryche because I I loved uh, prog rock and prog metal at the time. So I was like, I need something progressive, something that something that keeps my attention. Yeah. And Rush definitely does that. Um, Are you uh, a person that has uh, ever watched reaction videos on YouTube? Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. So there's this, 
I forgot the gentleman's name, but there's this really cool dude that uh, he's a hip hop head, okay. and he started off listening to listening to only hip hop. That was all he would ever listen to, and then he was like, "I'm gonna broaden my horizons. I need to start listening to." rock music so some and rock music and country so somebody send me some Some songs that i need to listen to and he started listening to rush uh i believe the first song that they that he listened to was tom sawyer because naturally that's like the one one song that gets overplayed on the radio right monday and he he you know he would do this thing where he's like, all right, I'm going to analyze the lyrics first. And he looked at the lyrics and he's like, you know what? This is really cool. Like and, before he, and he, he beca- hits record? He's a Rush fan now. Okay. And he's a Rush fan now. But no, uh, he would he would stop after the first verse and he would look at the lyrics. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. But uh, he'd be listening to it in real time, but he would be pausing every now and then so that he doesn't get copyright strikes. Oh, of course. Of course. Thing. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with Lost in Vegas? Two dudes. Oh, yeah, yeah, Sort yeah. of the same. Yeah. Uh, I think mostly hip-hop and rap, and then they were like... They sound familiar, yeah. So the first one they did uh, was YYZ. YYZ is another like first song that people would listen to. Yeah. And, and then, that one, I oh my gosh, that one got me really into Getty Lee's bass playing. Man. Oh my goodness. So I then, of course, because I enjoyed their reaction to YYZ, so I watched all their rush... And and the it gets no better in my opinion than their Super reaction to La yeah. Via Strangiato. Yes. Oh and, my gosh. Red Barchetta too. Yeah. Well, but what the in Lost in Vegas when they do yeah. uh, La Via at one point, uh, the dude just throws his notes in the air and goes lies, lies, lies. <laughs> There's no way this There's is three no people. Way. There's eight people in this band. <laughs> it sounds it's dude, the amount of sound that can come out yeah. of just three people. Yeah. Part of that is in part to Neil Neil's incredible drum set. Just I love that huge overhead shot. Overhead of the shot. Whole kit. It's just, and you're like, where does he walk he's in? Swiveling <laughs> in a circle to yes. get the ones behind. Yes. Him. Yeah, and then you have Getty who plays bass, but also plays keyboard yep. and also sings. Yep. And then you have Alex, who is a master of his craft um, in both uh, acoustic electric and 12 string guitar. okay gotcha and uh he knows how to use the right stand like there's a specific guitar stand that you can set an acoustic guitar on oh. so that you can quickly go from playing electric gotcha. back to acoustic and um he also uses if i remember correctly he uses a lot of uh um like really cool settings on either his amplifier or he has a pedal board, but something okay. that something that just increases his sound. Mm. And Very it was nice. if you listen to some of their older stuff, it this was years in the making at this up to this point. So if you listen to some of their older stuff, like their first album, their self titled album, which doesn't feature Neil, it's their uh, original drummer mm. who uh, his... had to leave the band due to uh, diabetes. Concerns. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Is that? Is Fly by Night their first? Fly by Night, uh, Fly by Night was the second. Album. Second was that was first, the first self-titled. That was the first with Neil. First was self-titled. Okay, Rush. Gotcha. Just called Rush. Yeah. Which makes sense when you listen to it because it is a rush. It's like they they were trying to do some kind of speed rock. Thing. Oh, interesting. Okay. And uh, but listening listening to that one, you can actually hear how much more empty it sounds in comparison to the really? later sounds. So they actually built that. Um, 
louder, more presence like over time as they mastered their craft. Yes. But it was it really like Rush in general inspired me to not only continue to master my craft, uh, not only to learn learn bass, but to continue like in my progression towards towards something you know bigger. You know? Okay, I love that. Yeah, especially as a solo artist, it's really really hard. You know, for playing in venues to be able to do do a lot as yourself, and so. Having the ability to amplify a room on your own is a skill. Bringing my anxiety back takes into a lot. <laughs> takes a lot of skill, but the ability to the ability to just uh, fill fill a room with yes, your own sound for sure takes takes a lot of effort. You, you uh, chat folks up at all, like in between songs, or are you just kind of I take of bam, a break bam, bam, sometimes. Bam. Okay, so it depends on the setting. It depends on the venue. Sometimes they're not. They don't give you. They don't give you time. You have to do the full set there. Um, but other times if I'm, if I'm, if I'm performing at a winery, what I'll do is I'll, uh, have like right in the middle of the set, I'll have one like 15 minute break and I'll go in and chat people up and then I'll come back and, uh, finish up the whole night. But that's cause I'm the only performer all right, night and right. I'm getting paid. Nice. So, <laughs> um, well, thanks again for being here. Thank uh, you. I like to, uh, ask you a, a set of goofy questions and then for we'll, sure. we'll get you out of here. Um, so I like goofy. All right. Let's for nerds that like nice round numbers. Yes. Let's say that Autumn Hayes's bucket list has ten things on it, uh-huh. and four through ten may interchange and fluctuate, but one through three they stay pretty. Uh, they're up there, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like Journey on the, yeah. the greatest hits on the charts. Um, so you are given all of the necessary resources to go hammer out your top your top three bucket list items. Which one is happening first? Ooh. I'm given all my resources. To I'd, do your top three. Top three well, bucket list items. What's going first? What's number one? I'm visiting a country other than the United States. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I'm traveling outside the country at Great. least once. Great. Um, you're given the opportunity to have uh, lunch with any person of your choosing, dead or alive. Who and why? Dead or alive? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, David Bowie. Nice answer. You you said the word pop a handful of times, and a recent guest uh, was talking about. Uh, you you also said uh, Santana beget Journey. Yes. Uh, and, and so same vein of thought there. Uh, somebody was running down, you know, kind of pop icons and, and, and just paused and goes, man, I mean, none of any of this happens without Bowie. And I I was like, that's so true. David Bowie pioneered so much for performance, right? Not just music, like as a concept, but the performance element. Right. Um, and a lot of his dear friends, uh, can thank him for just the flamboyancy uh, that he allowed them to be able to emulate in their shows. Mm, 
Yes, so, absolutely. Uh, first absolutely. good example would be Rolling Stones. Okay, okay. If you compare their older shows, where right. they're you know bluesier, bluesier, buttoned you know, up. buttoned up, and then they meet David Bowie, and you know they like, oh, they have a few that. drinks, and yeah. then and then suddenly Mick Jagger's doing his weird dance right. thing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, or Rod Stewart, another sure, good example. Sure. He was more folksy, and then he hung out with David Bowie, and then he uh, decided, you know what, I'm going to bleach my hair, and you know, say blondes have more fun. Yeah, there you go. Um, you are uh, given the gift uh, to be able to visit your past self at any age of your choosing. What okay. age are you choosing and what are you saying? Who? Mm. 16. Okay. Specifically 16 uh, earlier in the year. Okay. Do not... Under any circumstance, go into that practice room, no matter what he says. Okay. All right. There's a story to okay. that. Okay. <laughs> um, most peculiar experience you've ever had. Most peculiar. Mm-hmm. Define peculiar, because there's a level. <laughs> We're, Odd. Okay. Bizarre. Okay. Um, like, tough to wrap your brain around. Tough to wrap your brain Unique. around. Um. Pe- peculiar experience that happened to me or that I just witnessed? Either one. Either one? Okay. Um, hmm. I'd say, well, I had I had a few happen this past year, but really? I would say, I would say like a very, hmm. I'm trying to think of like something, something peculiar that's like, like, I keep, I keep remembering because it's just so odd like not even funny just odd um hmm hmm that's that's a tough one um because there's like it's like you'd have to go back into your history right for that one, right. right yeah um hmm we can uh we right. can replace we it let's yeah um fear factor Fear Factor. You're familiar with this program? Yes. Um, what would be the worst Fear Factor uh, test for Autumn Hayes? Heights. Heights. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Heights. Um, alternatively, because it's it's fine if it's heights, but there's a barrier. Um, but if it's like if I'm dangling. Mm. <laughs> that's mm. that's gonna be an issue for me uh yeah. i found myself in a spot in 1994 where i could go uh jump out of an airplane mm-hmm. with some friends and you're all we're all first timers so everybody's tandem right yeah. yeah and so uh you you got four points shoulders and hips uh where you're right. fastened to your person going up so yeah. you're kind of the whole ascent you're sit, you're sit, sort of sitting in their lap and then uh, this particular plane had a, a black tarp for a door that just once we hit 9,000 feet, they rolled it up and my tandem person tightened all of the four points and scooted his butt to the edge of the plane. So <laughs> I was literally dangling out of a plane. Oh, no. It was bananas. Oh, um, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, complete this for me, if you would, please. Sure. The world would become an immediately better place in which to live, if only... Hmm. 
the world would become an immediate better place in which to live. Hmm. If only everybody... If everybody had uh, a more open mind. Hey, I like that. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Cool stuff. Um, best place for folks to... Uh, I'm sorry. If You Stay is available wherever you, you stream. Yes. You're single. Yeah. Uh, if I want to keep... Ta- if I'm hearing this and I want to keep tabs on what Autumn Hayes is doing musically, my best go-to is... Instagram and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook. Yep. Okay, excellent. Uh, I am autumn.guitars with a Z on Instagram. Autumn.guitars with a Z on yep. Instagram. And we're... And then fa- my Facebook page is public. Autumn gotcha. Days. Okay. So uh, new projects, gigs, etc. Yep. Uh, link to... Uh, I, I guess you don't need a link to a streaming platform, but some info on if you stay is definitely on yep, the Facebook. Absolutely, or, cool. Yep. And on and on my Instagram. Right. Yeah. Very nice. And yeah, I don't really, I don't really update anything on because I have a TikTok and I have a YouTube, but I don't do anything sure, on there. That's so fair. I would say like, yeah, that's the that's the social media that I stay the most only, active. Is only twenty four hours in a day. Yeah. You know, right? right. Oh my gosh, the clock's <laughs> right twice a day. Right. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for being here. It's a thank pleasure you, to meet you. Absolutely. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye.